The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Welcome to The Views Room, a weekly conversation among Breaking Views columnists about the ups and downs of the world of finance. I'm Jennifer Saba. This week we'll be talking about Blue Apron. It's the meal kit delivery service that started in the U.S. that had this four-star valuation that has been basically, they they have a comeuppance now. (laughs) They had an IPO as we speak, and it just was very disappointing. So joining me here to talk about Blue Apron and kind of the wider implications this has is Breaking Views Editor-in-Chief Rob Cox, joining us from Connecticut. Hello, Rob. And also in the studio with me is Breaking Views columnist Rob Searin. Hey, Jeff. So double Robs. <laughs> All right. Thank you both for being on the show today. A couple things just to, to kind of take us through this. A Blue Apron is this meal kit delivery service thing that was it, it, quite hot. Everyone was very excited about this. It had um, at one point a $3 billion valuation. A couple days ago when they were pricing, they cut their valuation. Rob, Siren, maybe take us through what's going on here. So what, what what Blue Apron is, is so you sign up for this, this service online, and they ship you a couple of meals every week. They ship you the ingredients and a recipe. And you're and, a user and, of it, correct? Yes, I, I, I've used it. And you cook with it, and then, um, you know, the, the meals are actually pretty good. Uh, however, there, there are a bunch of these services. I've counted well over a dozen. And they're all sort of interchangeable. They all sort of offer the same sort of things, lots of, lots of olive oil and, you know, more exotic ingredients like pickle this vegetable, you know, and, and then <laughs> and then cook this cook this. And they're uh, all hamburger. courting you as a customer. They're all courting me, and and they're all paying up a lot to try to get new customers because what they are is they're all private companies, and so they're all trying to show investors that hey, we're this incredibly fast-growing company, and yeah, the profits will come in the future, but right now we just we're just growing so quickly, and so what that means is they're paying up through the nose to try to land new new customers. Basically, they did their pricing. They did the roadshow. They had to take down basically the valuation as, as this was going on, and quite by quite a bit, I would say, like by a third. So then the market it opens, and you know it it opens a little bit above um, its, its price of ten dollars, I think is what it priced at, and um, I think now it's like a, a, a up about three percent. So I mean, it's barely hitting the high point of its low point of the range <laughs> of eleven dollars. So uh, Rob Cox, what I mean, what do you think this says, kind of broadly about investors? Are like are they starting? to to kind of say hey wait a minute like you know blue apron they're having a hard time probably getting users the revenue might be growing nicely they have absolutely well, no profit yeah i think i think investors are showing a certain amount of discernment and that's a, that's probably a good thing as rob points out and as he pointed out in the first piece he wrote about this after the uh, prospectus came out um, they're a bit like Groupon. You know, remember Groupon? So this is a, you know, the, the barriers to entry are quite low. So if you can come up with a delivery service, put together some ingredients, send it out there, i.e., you know, your grocery store could do this, or Amazon, or, or hey, Amazon and a really high, um, you know, high Upscale grocery store, like <laughs> Whole Foods, um, then it's not that hard to replicate it. And, and as you say, the churn is extraordinary on this. I mean, they're, they're having to really uh, spend a lot of money to get customers, and they're not retaining them. So it means you've got to get more customers to keep your revenue up. So the, the cost of acquisition of customers is really high. They're bar- I mean, if you just go around and, like, listen to podcasts, you'll hear about 10 different variations of Blue Apron out there. Right. Um, investors saw this. 
um, from the get-go, and we're and and the first variation of, of pricing, the, the first sort of idea was that this was going to be really expensive, and they said um, mm, probably not. Then you had the Amazon purchase of Whole Foods again with a snap of his fingers. Jeff Bezos can make um, a, a pretty good competitor, perhaps even better competitor, to Blue Apron happen as soon as they do, do this deal. So I think that investors are sort of saying, well, uh, you know, really, we don't need to pay up for this. And so you you see a price that was slashed by a third from the initial um, pricing range, right? And now you see the market tepidly responding to it, up to, you know, it, it's it's basically being helped by the underwriters, I imagine, today. That's why you get a three, three and a half percent yeah. increase in things. But if effectively, investors are saying, you know, we're not going to invest, put a lot of money behind, I should say, business models that don't have some sort of protection, aren't doing something truly innovative, maybe a good product, may make good food. Unlike, say, you know, the, 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 the sort of example would be Snap, which, you, as, as I have argued pretty strenuously, is a, is a company not worth investing in, and the IPO proved to be a pretty poor investment. But it is sui generis in the sense that Snap is not easily replicable. It has, you know, t- hundreds of millions of of customers in a networked business. Well, only because of their network fast, business, but right? Right, but but it's so that there it's it's not you can't just come up with a, a snap tomorrow. You but well, you can snap your fingers and create a competitor to Blue Apron. Well, but well, I mean just to play devil's advocate here, um, Facebook has pretty much very easily replicated what they all their snaps features on Instagram. In fact, I think Instagram has surpassed snap um they've been crowing about this you know every couple of months i'll get an email saying you know instagram has hit like 700 million users daily active users you know it's 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 basically like you've seen these emails yeah, right Rob? Th- there are a couple differences first yeah. off it costs a lot like snap for to get an additional customer it doesn't really cost them very much at all you know all you have to do is download the app and then you're you get going with Blue Apron, they have to, to spend a lot, and they're spending increasing amounts to lure in new customers. What's more, they give you the recipes with it. So when you get it, you get the recipe, and you can just create the, you can just do it on yourself. You can go buy a shallot, you, chop you, it up yourself. Exactly, and then you, you've got the exact proportions, yeah. and you cook it. And then the other thing is that all these, because there's so many companies out there trying to get customers, you can just play the, co- the companies off against each other. So like, that's so interesting. <laughs> so ha- have you possibly oh, done yeah, this yeah. before? <laughs> I've possibly done this many, <laughs> many times. So you sign up for Blue Apron. They give you half off. And then you try the initial initial couple of weeks, and then you stop doing it. And then you sign up for the next thing. And then Blue Apron notices about five months down the road or three months down the road, hey, you haven't done this, and we've got our IPO coming up. Why don't you try signing up again for us, <laughs> and we'll give you half off. And then they also give you a uh, coupon saying if you – if you have your friend try us out, you'll get a special uh, discount in your but next package. Here and family's been feeding it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Through, through venture That's capital, I've been feeding. Thanks it. to venture <laughs> capitalists, you've been eating gourmet food every night. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it's it's great for consumers, but you don't want to be the one paying for this. Okay, so um, let, let's talk about you know valuations kind of broadly here, and particularly with private companies and, and private tech companies and private startups. Snap had this crazy valuation. Blue Apron did. Mm, and we, Uber, of course. And Uber. Let's talk about Uber. So right now, the, the people keep saying it's a $70 billion uh, valued company, right? And it's and like, it's and between <laughs> the $70 billion and everything that's come out, 
you know, with, with the troubles with Travis uh, Kalanick and the board and what have you, it's still, people are still saying it's $70 billion. To me, that just can't possibly be there, there are a few um, problems here. So first off, when people say $70 billion, what they're doing is they're just taking the value of the investment and just extrapolating it. So Uber sells a very small chunk to someone, and they're saying, oh, they sold a small chunk of their company. And that's that small chunk valued the whole at seventy billion. Okay, of course they couldn't sell the entire company for seventy billion because if they did that, the market would be overwhelmed. Um, the other thing is that often with these sales, there are lots of bells and whistles attached. So you get various benefits. So you say, for instance, if you buy this round of Uber, well, then when you have our IPO, you you've got an anti-dilution thing, so you're guaranteed this. You don't actually, you know, get you'll get extra shares, for instance or you'll have, you can convert them into another share class at an advantage. What that basically means is it pumps up the value, and, and uh, that 70 billion is actually an artificial figure. We don't know what the real figure is because it's very hard to figure out, but it is clearly inflated. As all these problems at Uber, you know, they've, they've fired the CEO, about half the executives have <laughs> left, yeah. all there's a mass campaign to delete the app from people's cell phones. This means that the business is worth a lot less, and we don't we don't know how much less because the company hasn't gone out and raised money. If they raised money tomorrow, they'd probably have to take a lower valuation for it. So, Rob, I want to throw this question to you before we leave. All these companies, Uber, Snap, Blue Apron, they all have several different classes of stock that give their owners control. Do you think that investors are starting to realize that this may not be such a great deal, or do you think they even consider this when they're going into the market to buy these companies? Yeah, I do think investors do consider it. You've seen it over in the past week, for instance, the head of the Sovereign Wealth Fund for Norway said that they won't invest in companies like this, and they want actually index providers like S&P to remove multi-class share companies from those indexes. That's unlikely to happen, and as you've seen, people are still willing to snap up these shares and if you're a seller and you're in a market like this where you can get away with it, why wouldn't you, right? Um, I just was talking to the CEO of a, of a very large company that's been public for decades, if not 100 years, and they were saying, you know, gosh, if we could do it today, we would too. We wouldn't have these pesky activists and other people bothering us. Um, so, you know, I do, think, I do think that investors are aware of it. I don't think investors like it. But investors are, are seeing this. It, you know, most investors are in a job for a couple of years. They're thinking about their bonuses. They're thinking about paying for their kids' college or their house in Martha's Vineyard. So effectively, giving um, a Mark Zuckerberg or the founder of Blue Apron or the Evan Spiegel at Snap five, ten years of free reign probably isn't going to be a difficult uh, decision. It's going to be later down the road when someone else, presumably, who's taken over the fund that they're managing, has to deal with great-grandson of Evan Spiegel, who's decided to use the company as a personal piggy bank, should it still be around. And so I think that, you know, I think it's one of these things that stores up bigger problems for the future. Investors are aware of that, but it, investors have to live for the here and now. They're judged on their performance on one, two, three-year bases, so I just don't think that they're willing to fight for the most part. Okay. All right. Well, thank you both for uh, joining me today. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Thanks. That's our show for this week. I'd like to thank my guests, Rob Cox and Rob Siren, and also thanks to our producers, Bethel Hopday and Andrew D'Antonio. Tune in next week for another edition of The Views Room. Thanks for joining us.